thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. And for those of you that don't know me, my name is Andy. I'm the next-gen pastor here at Life Central Church. So when I'm not messing about in the pre- and post-service hangouts, um, I'm overseeing our work with kids, youth, and young adults. And that's why it was so good for me to see Olga, one of our young people, sharing a bit of her story. And she's so right. You know, we can't compare our journeys to other people. All of us watching this right now will be at different points in our journey with Jesus. And so if you're tuning in for the first time, I want to really welcome you and I want to say, you know, what I think, what I've got to say, I think could be really relevant to you. But also if, if you've been part of church for centuries and you know all of this stuff, I still think what I'm going to say today might have something to say to you. So please do track with us. You know, I'm continuing our search history series today, looking at what does Jesus say about anger? And it might surprise you that Jesus was a person who did get angry about stuff. And we saw earlier on in the service things that make people low-key angry. One of the things that makes me angry is middle lane drivers. People who just sit in the middle lane on the motorway and just whatever speed they want to go, but they stay in the middle lane. I get angry with it. And, you know, often I'll be driving on the motorway and maybe listening to Graves into Gardens singing along. And I'll get angry and I'll be like, you turn Graves into Gardens. Will you move in? You turn Bones. Are you messing? And honestly, I'm, I'm never more scouse when I'm angry when I'm driving. And, you know, Jesus... Probably didn't get angry at middle lane drivers. That's not where Jesus got angry at stuff. But Jesus did get angry at things. In fact, at one point, Jesus made a whip, which we're going to talk about and look at a little bit later. But, you know, I think some of the examples where we're going to look at where Jesus got angry, maybe if you're unchurched, you might find this, like, and you're not a Christian and you're not a Jesus follower, you might find this surprising, maybe encouraging, because you're angry at some of those things as well. And you know, maybe if you're a Christian and have been a Jesus follower a little while, you might find some of this stuff challenging for you. But I think we're all, I'm hoping that we're all going to learn something together today. Interestingly, Jesus only spoke once about anger. And he did it in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, which was like his big, uh, his big main sermon that he, that he preached. And he's speaking mainly about us having anger with other people and how we deal with that. And he says in Matthew 5, he says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry without a cause, that's in brackets because in some manuscripts it's there and other manuscripts it's not. But he says, anyone who is angry without a cause with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And he goes on to talk about, about it. And he basically... To sum up what he says, he says, basically, deal with your anger before your anger starts to deal with you. And we did a great session on that back in January. I think it was the 26th of January in the You're Not the Boss of Me series. And Leon, our lead pastor, did a great job of unpacking how to deal with anger within ourselves. So I want to encourage you, not now, but at some point during the next week, to go back and watch that, particularly if you're tuning in, wanting to look at some anger, anger management stuff. That's all in there, and I don't think I can add anything to that but I want to look at three three or four moments where Jesus got angry because I think sometimes you can you can read more what about someone's actions rather than the words that they say and so one of the first things that Jesus got angry at is Jesus is angry with those who cause harm to children and and he says this in Luke 17 and um, I'm going to read it to you. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. 
It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. That's, that's not a calm statement from Jesus, is it? It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone around their neck. Like, Jesus is, this isn't gentle Jesus, meek and mild, who appears in a stained glass window. Like, he is angry when he says this. And do you know what? I get it. I get it. You know, I've been um, part, of the, part of the youth and part of Next Gen now for eight and a half years at Life Central Church. And we've got lots of children and young people who are either fostered or adopted. And hearing their stories and sitting with adoptive parents who've told me what's gone on in their early life and heard some of the early trauma that they've experienced. When I've heard that, I've been angry. Like, something, I've been like, tell me, tell me the address of their birth parents. I'll go round and I'll knock them out. It's not the thing a pastor should do. But it stirred something up within me. This, this anger comes out. And what, what helped me to understand it even further was talking to some of our guys at, at Phase Trust, which is a youth charity that we work really closely. They, they gave me this phrase. They said, when you fail to understand somebody's story, you fail to have compassion. And so, for me, hearing their stories got me angry, but led me to a place where I could get compassion for them. And I could understand why they would behave in certain ways and why they would react in certain ways. And, you know, that, those kind of things got me angry. And just to give context to that bit in Luke 17 as well, Jesus does then go on to talk about forgiveness. And you can read that in your own time and you can read that for the full context if you want. But the second thing that Jesus gets angry with is unfruitfulness. Jesus has this moment in Mark 11 where he seemingly overreacts at this inanimate object and this, this fig tree, essentially, and he, he curses it because it looks like it should have fruit, but it doesn't. And we've all had those moments where we've cursed an inanimate object, this stupid car or this stupid washing machine or whatever it is. We've all had moments like that where we've got angry with something. And Jesus seems to have this like weird overreaction at a fig tree. But I think it's symbolic. And I think it's symbolism for, you know, the, the, the tree looks like it should have fruit, but when you look under the leaves, there's no fruit there at all. And I think when, when we pretend to do the right things and maybe we show up to church or tune in for church and we say the right things and do the right things, but actually when you look under the leaves of our lives, there's not really fruit there. I think Jesus is, is saying like he's, he's, he's almost angry with, with like a, a, a show of pretense and wants to see the real us. And I think that's quite challenging. I find that quite challenging. If, you know, if Jesus looked under the leaves of my life, would he find fruit? I really hope he would. The third thing that I think Jesus is angry with is self-righteous judgmentalism. I'm not sure judgmentalism is a word, but we're going to go with it. And if you look through the Gospels, Jesus' harshest words are reserved for the religious people. In fact, Leonard Sweet, who's a writer, he said this, something else made Jesus absolutely livid and was perhaps his greatest irritant. Self-righteous judgmentalism. Survey those to whom Jesus directed his strongest, most severe words. It was the self-righteous, judgmental Pharisees and Sadducees, those who didn't see themselves as sinners but who leveled that charge against everyone else. He characterized such people as blind guides, hypocrites, fools, whitewashed tombs, a brood of vipers and children of the devil. Not exactly kind words from a mild-mannered disciple. 
You see, Jesus here, he is angry with people who are most supposed to represent God, misrepresenting God. And you know, that, that, that gets me as well. I get really angry when I hear stories of people who have been mistreated or hurt by the church or people that are supposed to represent God, they've hurt people. Um, and you know, that, that really frustrates me. In fact, a few a couple of years ago, I was invited into a local school to be part of a guerrilla Christian panel, which was basically they could ask a bunch of Christians um, any question that they wanted. And so I turned up, I was a little bit nervous. They'd advertised it to the whole school and it was in our lunchtime and there was over 100 students turned up and it was quite intimidating. It was like a Christian version of question time. It was quite intimidating to be in there. And um, I noticed this one girl at the middle, at the back of, of the kind of school hall. And every time there was like next question, she was like, bang, hand straight up. And I could see there was almost like an aggression to her. And I knew she was like desperate to ask her question. And so the moment came when she was pointed at and said, what's your question? And she unloaded this question that was full of just like real aggression towards Christians and, and like asked quite a hard, direct question to us all on the panel. And I just got a sense that there was a story underneath this. And so I, I thanked her for her question and I said, can I, before I answer your question, can I just ask you a question? And she said, yeah, which was good. And she said, um, I said, what's your experience of church and Christians? And then she shared some of her story about how her and her family had been totally mistreated by a local church and had been really, really hurt. And she, she unloaded some of the reasons why she thought the things that she did because of the experience that she had. And so I said to her, I said, look, I've, I've got... Very little authority to do this, okay? I, I'm not the Pope. I'm just a bald scouse guy on a stage in Hell's Owen. I said, but I want to apologize for the way that you've been treated. On behalf of the church, I'm sorry. And you know, the thing that you've described to me there, that makes me angry that that happens. And I want to say I'm sorry. And you know, like I say, I don't have any authority really to do that. But if you're watching this today and you've, been here, you've had God misrepresented to you by the people that are most supposed to represent God to you. I want to say I'm sorry. On behalf of the church, I'm sorry for the way that you've been treated. And you know, we, you should not have been treated like that. And I want to apologize to that. And I think that's one of the things that Jesus gets angry with. And so that's three quick examples of what Jesus got angry with, but I want to look at a fourth example, and we're going to spend a little bit more time in this, and this is where Jesus used the whip that I referred to earlier, so pay attention. If you tuned out, tune back in, and it says this in John chapter 2, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple court, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So, he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. Who knew it? Jesus made a whip. Like, that might surprise some of you. It surprised me when I first learned that Jesus made a whip. Now, I need to clarify what the whip was. The whip wasn't an offensive weapon. Jesus didn't whip 
any human being, okay? It says it made a whip out of cords, which is basically like, like a bit of a rope, almost like, you know, when you're messing around in your kitchen and you've got a tea towel and you whip. It's kind of like that, maybe. And, and Jesus used that whip to generate movements and to get the cattle and the, thing, the, the livestock that was in there. He, was getting it. he wasn't trying to cause harm. He was trying to create movements. And so I think it's really important to understand that. It's also important to understand that there's, I think there's three main different types of anger. You know, rage is almost like a loss of control, you know, when they're picking up chairs to throw them and diving across the table, threatening to cut their hair. We've, let's, let's all be honest with each other. We've all had moments where we've had rage, where we've thrown something across a room, where we've hit something or someone. We've all had those moments of rage. The other type of anger is repressed anger. And repressed anger is where you kind of like, you keep it down and eventually it comes out in this like huge explosion. And, and, but you, you keep it down and you, keep, you pretend everything's okay, but you're low key getting angry and angry and angry and then bang, an explosion. But the third type of anger, I think, is righteous anger. And righteous anger is basically, I think, controlled anger about the things that we should be angry about. And I've been watching um, a reality TV show on the SAS where they put three people through the SAS training and, uh, and that course. And they talk a lot about anger and aggression, but they talk so much about controlling it and using it to drive you forward. And for me, righteous anger is controlled anger about the things that we should be angry about. And in all of the examples that we've looked at in Jesus, I think Jesus shows, doesn't show rage or repressed anger, he shows controlled anger about the things that we should be angry about. He shows righteous anger. And so in this moment where Jesus makes a whip and he turns the tables over um, and he does something, all of that kind of stuff, I think there's three reasons why Jesus was angry. The first is that people were being ripped off. You see, it was the Passover festival. People were coming from miles around to Jerusalem to come and take part in the Passover festival. And one of the key things um, of the Passover festival was that you would have to sacrifice a perfect lamb and you'd have to bring that to the temple. And so if people were traveling a real distance from other countries, it would be impractical of them to bring a lamb all that way. And so what they would do is they would buy it once they got to Jerusalem. And the people in the temple were saying, only our lambs are the ones that you can use. So they almost had this monopoly. And because people were coming from, from a, another country, like the money changers were there, almost like the bureau to change when you go on holiday. And they were driving the exchange rates up and ripping people off. And then, because they've got a monopoly, it's almost, you know, like when you go to Alton Towers and you have to pay five pounds for a bag of cheese and onion crisps. It was kind of like that, that they're saying, oh, these are the only ones that you can use. And therefore they were overcharging people and they were exploiting people's desperation and their ignorance. And, and they were ripping people off and Jesus was angry about that. The second thing that Jesus was angry about in this story is that it was robbing people of peaceful prayer. You see all that hustle and bustle in the temple courts, a place where you were supposed to come and pray and spend time with God, had been turned into this marketplace. And you know, I think Jesus gets angry with worry. In fact, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, Jesus almost goes on a little bit of a rant about worry. And you'd be forgiven for thinking that Jesus is angry with us for being worried. But that's not what he's saying. Jesus is saying he's angry with worry itself. Because the definition of worry is to torment your mind. 
And Jesus is known as the Prince of Peace. He's got many names, and one of them is he is the Prince of Peace. And see, Jesus gets angry with the things that rob us of our peace. He doesn't want us to be filled with worry and anxiety. And so he's not angry with you for being worried or for you for having anxiety, but he's angry with worry and anxiety itself. And Jesus isn't happy when we're robbed of peace. The third thing that Jesus was angry with is he was angry with it being blocking people's access to God. You know, all that marketplace in the, in the temple court, it would have been difficult for people to actually get into the temple, the place where they would go and spend time with God. And they, I get angry with this too. You know, the, the thing I love most about Life Central Church is that we are determined to be a church where unchurched people can be a part of. What that means is basically we're a church, we're non-churchy people, we're people who wouldn't call themselves followers of Jesus. You can come and be a part of us as well. We're determined to remove every blockage that would be in the way of somebody coming to, to know Jesus. That's why we do things in the way that we do, and I absolutely love it. And sometimes I find myself at weddings in, in, in other churches. That, I'm not going to name names, but if, I find myself in other churches at weddings and I look around and I see people and I'm like, this might be the first time that you've been in church for a decade. And I think what an opportunity. And my mates who are getting married, they're Christians. And I'm like, yeah, this is going to be great. They're in church and, and there's a real opportunity here for these people to meet God. And then I literally at one wedding, the, the vicar, the priest, the pastor, the leader, whatever, gets up before the bride comes down the aisle. And this is his moment to welcome everybody. And he goes, hello, welcome to my church. You must not take any photographs during the service. You must not shout out during the service. You must not, under any circumstances, drop confetti on the church ground. And he was like, angry and mean and rude to everybody and I'm sat there twitching in my seat because I'm like mate these people are in your church for the first time in a decade and you're treating them like I'm getting, I'm, can you feel me getting angry about that like I, and so Jesus gets angry when people's access to God is blocked by things that shouldn't be there and things that shouldn't be in the way so how do you how do you respond when it comes to righteous anger here's what I think you should do you should load up social media and then quickly type down all of your unfiltered thoughts into a post. Maybe at mention the people that you're angry with, post it, and then periodically over the next few days, post articles to back up your unfiltered thought. Of course, that's not what I'm saying. Please don't cut that and take it out of context because that will look really bad. You know, Paul, who uh, was one of the key people in kind of spreading the message of Jesus, he wrote to a church in Ephesus and it appears in the book of Ephesians in the Bible. He said this in Ephesians 4 verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. You see, there are things that should make us angry, but the key is how we respond to that anger. Our anger shouldn't lead us to sin, to hurt, to pain. It shouldn't lead us to there. We should allow our anger to fuel us, to generate movement towards a positive change. In fact, Steve Addison, in Movements That Change the World, he said this, movements are characterized by discontent, vision, and action. Discontent unfreezes people from their commitment to the way things are. Movements emerge when people feel that something needs to change. If the vacuum created by discontent is filled with a vision of a different future and action to bring change, then a movement is born. 
You see, here's the bottom line of what I want you to remember today. The, the thing that I'm trying to communicate is this. Righteous anger should create movement and change, but never an explosion. Righteous anger should create movement and change, but never an explosion. So how do we know when we've got righteous anger? You see, I think we should ask the question, is God angry with this too? Because we're looking for anger that concerns God's purposes rather than our own preferences. So is God angry with middle lane drivers? No. Is God angry with people using the word Pacific when they should be saying the word specific? No, he's not. Is God angry with the humanitarian crisis in Yemen? Yeah, absolutely. Is God angry with the injustice that black people have had over centuries? Yes, you bet yeah. You see, we should be angry with injustice. We should be angry with poverty. We should be angry with abuse, with neglect, with harm. We should be angry with all of those things because Jesus was too. But here's the thing. Jesus always did something to correct what was wrong. And so should we. Our anger shouldn't lead to hate. We have to be so, so careful of that. Author and theologian Lewis Smead, he wrote this, healthy anger drives us to do something to change, to change what makes us angry. Anger can energize us to make things better. Hate wants to make things worse. You see, healthy and righteous anger should always lead to compassion and a desire for change, but it must never lead to hate. Jesus never hated. Jesus wasn't somebody who, who had hate. He always had compassion and forgiveness. And so this is where I think the most difficult balance of all comes, is that we need to be angry at the injustice, but we need to have forgiveness and compassion to the people causing the injustice. And that's really hard. I wouldn't say I've managed that. And I think really the only way that I think you can manage that is through relationship with Jesus and, and the work of the Holy Spirit in, in your life. And, you know, maybe, maybe you're someone who's carrying anger towards a person who's caused injustice. I want to give you an opportunity in a little bit to, to pray and ask God to, to speak into some of that. And I just want to say this, you know, choosing to say, stay angry at somebody is like constantly drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You're only hurting yourself. And so I don't want people to get the wrong message here. I want to be really clear as I finish. I'm not saying that Jesus says Christians should go out and be angry about everything. Absolutely not. We're supposed to be filled with the joy of the Lord and all of that stuff. But Jesus wants us to be angry at the things that he is angry about too. And maybe, maybe you're a Christian or maybe you've been following Jesus a little bit and the stuff that should make you angry doesn't. Maybe you feel a bit ambivalent and a bit eh, about stuff. Maybe almost as like a, where, where there should be righteous anger and like a, a holy discontent. There's just, just, just a hole of nothingness. And I, I want to pray for you because I think often the thing that can drive you, the, the calling, the, the thing that you live for, hey, the, even the thing that you would die for comes from a place of discontent and righteous anger. And so I want to pray for you if, if that's you if, you, if you're hungry for some righteous anger, not just hungry to be angry at everything and anything, nobody wants that, but hunger, hungry to have a righteous anger. Then I want to pray for you 
right now. And maybe you wanna open up a chat with one of our online pastors on any of our platforms, you can, you can do that. But I'm gonna pray for you now. God, I pray for those people who just feel a sense of ambivalence, feel a sense of just numbness towards things that should get them angry. God, I pray that you would create a stirring of, of passion, of holy discontent. God, I pray that you would almost help people to find the thing that they were created to do and created to make a change for. God, I pray for all of us. Would you help us to manage that balance of responding in the right way to righteous anger? God, I pray that our righteous anger would lead to movements and change, but never an explosion of hate or rage. God, I pray that you would teach us all of that. And God, might we be people who choose to have controlled anger at the things that you are angry about? And would you help us to find a way that we can bring about positive change? Amen. Amen. Maybe you're a person who feels like you're carrying anger towards a person. Maybe you tuned into this expecting me to say, Jesus says, he'll, let, he'll just cut all your anger out and it'll be all solved. And maybe you're just like, I just know I'm angry about it. Or maybe you think you're angry about stuff and you want Jesus to show you. We're gonna sing a song now and it's called Bigger Than I Thought You Were. And this song is about letting, I like, it says, I let go of all negotiation with the God of all creation. And it's just, it's about us sitting back and admiring how big God is and just giving it to him. And maybe whilst we sing this song, maybe you want to close your eyes, open your hands up. Maybe you want to sit on your sofa or lie on the beach, wherever you are, just and open your posture and open your heart to God to maybe to begin to deal with some of that anger that you carry. Maybe you feel like you've been drinking that poison, expecting them to be hurt. And whilst, whilst we do that, you know, our online pastors are available on Church Online. You can follow the links if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube. And we would encourage you, if you want to open this up with any of our online pastors, you can do that. But we're going to sing this song. And as we do that, I want to encourage you to open yourself up for God to speak to you. This song is bigger than I thought you were.